Greetings, this is Cantus Firmus. Uh, I'm doing something a little different um, today. Um, I'm reviewing a history book for kids. Um, and that might seem a little strange, uh, but here's why. So I referenced this book series uh, in a podcast episode I did recently with my daughter, Ava, about uh, homeschooling resources that we use. Um, and uh, I got some feedback from people saying that they'd heard um, that one of them that I recommended was a sort of conservative culture war <laughs> kind of uh, ideology, and they were surprised that I'd recommend it. Is it, though? We'll get to that. So here's here's what I was going to review for you guys. So this is a, uh, this is how it came in the mail. Actually, it's kind of pretty handy, uh, pretty neat. Um, can't even hear me because I'm blocking the mic. Uh, this it came in some pretty cool packaging. So it's Tuttle Twins, a Tuttle Twins series of stories, America's History, 1215 to 1776, and that's volume one. They've got more planned. Uh, it's kind of cool. Um, the side of the box packaging says, those who don't learn from the past are condemned to repeat it. When you open it up, there's a well, something here, a quote from the book. People make an error when they just want to learn about history, but what's really important is what we learn from history, not just learn what they did, but what we need to do about it today. So the that kind of gives you an idea about their, um, their mission plan, I guess, for this. Um, and ultimately, it's uh, not just to sort of give you a collection of, of data that, that you could you know study if you want to, uh, but to try to um, teach history in such a way that it seems relevant and, and practical for today. So that's 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 the basic idea. So you open up the thing here, and you've got the book itself, uh, which is pretty neat. Looks like a history book, uh, and it's expensive like a history book too. The retail value on this one is $98.99, um, although I got a, a special on it um, with a pre-order that was, I think, like $75, and it came with uh, an uh, audiobook version, which is really cool because my daughter loves audiobooks, listens to them all the time, um, so that's really cool and really helpful. Um, it also comes with, or at least that prepackage, and you can also get this uh, separately, uh, some kind of um, guides, not the guides, um, resources kids can use um, that can kind of go along with um, um, you know, the lessons in the book. Um, and I looked through that. I wasn't as interested in that. They had like, you know, recipes and crosswords and, you know, stuff that maybe, maybe my uh, daughter would like, but, uh, it didn't seem that, that stuff, that kind of, those exercises usually don't seem that interesting to me when I, when I see them. Um, so, but the book itself is, is pretty neat. Um, and, um, you know, we're a homeschool family, so we're always looking for good resources. Uh, this book... Um, is seeking to teach history in a way that makes its lessons seem relevant today. And it places the history of America uh, from, and kind of prehistory from 1215 to 1776. Um, it sort of tells that story um, within a story about these two kids, the Tuttle twins, um, who are um, learning about history through kind of fun object lessons and practical experiences. Um, and my nine-year-old uh, really enjoys it so far. We're um, I've listened to almost all the audiobook, and I've and I've skimmed through sections as well. And um, my daughter and I have read together the first three chapters. I think there's eleven in there altogether. Is that right? Something like that. Anyway, so we've gone through yes, eleven. So we've gone through you know kind of sat down and really gotten through the first three um, uh, together. Um, and so she really likes she likes all the Tuttle Twins books actually. Though if, I think if I were to offer one criticism 
um, about just kind of the style or, or the, the way it's presented, uh, I would say the chapters are long enough that she can start to lose some focus. And each chapter really feels like it, it should be read in one setting. There's not like really obvious good places to break up a chapter. Um, and so it's kind of tough. There's usually by the last few pages, it's, it starts to feel like, okay, we're, we're almost there, but you got to focus. <laughs> um, so my, my family's political ideological makeup is, I guess I'd say libertarian. So I'm anxious about like full on indoctrination. I'm also a Christian and, and uh, we've, I've shared some of those resources with my daughter um, as well, certain Christian resources. Um, but I always have a, I always try to ask questions and present uh, counter arguments and uh, you know things like that to get her to sort of think critically, because I want my kids to be critical thinkers. I don't want them to adopt, you know, my values wholesale. I don't want to do a copy paste deal. Um, but it's also hard to avoid values completely, right? So you know when you teach your kids, you know, the golden rule, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. That's a value, right? And you know, are you indoctrinating them when you teach them that? Well, I guess in a way, yeah, but you can't help that sometimes. That's actually a good value, and you should you should indoctrinate your kids in that value. Um, so what I want to be careful with my daughter, I don't want to sort of, you know, sign her up for, you know, Daily Wire kids programming and you know, all this kind of conservative stuff, or uh, I don't know if there's... I was going to, I don't know if there's a aggressively progressive version of that, but... Um, so I don't want to do that, because I feel like the culture war stuff and... Is just kind of gross and, and um, unnuanced. Um, but libertarianism, you know, when it comes to political values, freedom, non-aggression, they're pretty good. They're pretty good values. I mean, basically, we apply those those values uh, to every other area of our lives except politics. <laughs> That's where we start to go. Well, I don't know if we should have you know freedom and non-aggression all the time. You know, sure, you shouldn't steal or kill, but maybe it's okay for the government to do it. Um, so I think that those are those values are a good start, you know, um, and they're also compatible with my Christian values. And that Christianity is presented in the Bible is very skeptical about political power and particularly violence. Um, so there's um, as much as I don't want to do indoctrination type stuff, I think uh, I'm okay with putting Tuttle Twins books in in my kids' hands. And and as I said. Um, I'm libertarian, and I would say these books are libertarian and uh, pro-free market. Their reputation among progressives, um, and even in uh, some of their own marketing, might suggest that they're conservative or even Republican, but they're not. They, they really aren't. On the marketing front, I think or suspect that they understand that there are only so many self-identifying libertarians looking for homeschool material. So I think when they market their stuff, they tend to emphasize value shared with conservatives that conservatives have just kind of failed to follow through consistently into libertarianism. So free market stuff, government skepticism stuff, etc. Um, but the books, the Tuttle Twins books also teach lessons that could be considered progressive, such as anti-war philosophy uh, in the book, uh, The Tuttle Twins and the Golden Rule, which is based on uh, a book written by Ron Paul, who's a libertarian, but uh, the anti-war thing is traditionally considered a progressive value. Uh, and they're fine with teaching that, even though uh, conservatives might not like it. Although the way that they teach it in the, that book is um, not in terms of foreign policy, but in relationships between kids. I think, there's, I think in that one, the kids are in, at camp and they have different teams. They start to sabotage each other and there's blowback and there's eye for an eye kind of thinking. 
Um, and so, you know, conservatives might miss the lesson <laughs> and not apply that to foreign policy, right? And hey, if conservatives get these books for their kids and their kids turn out to be libertarian, uh, that's fine with me. Um, you know, maybe it's, not, maybe it's not entirely honest to hide that a little bit, uh, or at least to not, not put it front and center into, you know, gesture uh, toward conservatism. Um, but um, I, I think it's good that, that these lessons are getting out and conservatives maybe having to think about their philosophy and, and try to apply it consistently. And so all of that that I said about the Tuttle Twins books generally is true for this history book. So, you know, some of the marketing that I saw made me a little nervous um, because in light of all this stuff about like CRT, you know, anti-CRT stuff among conservatives and, you know, kind of pro out there CRT stuff among progressives, um, there was a real either or dichotomy when it came to how we should be teaching history. And I felt like some of the marketing I saw for this book leaned into that a little bit and gestured conservative. And that made me feel eh about it. Um, but I went ahead and got it anyway because I'd, I'd noticed some of that in the past from their marketing and uh, have always uh, been, you know, uh, delightfully surprised <laughs> that, it, that it didn't go that way. Um, and so, thankfully, this book is much more nuanced than that. So apart from this history is something to learn from, one of its other chief values is that there are no 100% heroes or villains in history. And that's sure to disappoint both patriots and CRT proponents, right? It's not, well, America, we're always the good guys, and it's not, you know, white people are evil. So it's, um, it's much more nuanced than that. Uh, in fact, I had a, let me pull up a reference here. There, there's, there's a place, uh, oh, talking about religious freedom in the colonies, right? And so you have the pilgrims coming to America, and they're, they're here for religious freedom, and then uh, they set up colonies where they exclude religious freedom. And so the kids are disappointed. They're talking to Fred, who's their neighbor, who's giving them some of these lessons. And um, uh, so the, one of the, the kids, one of the twins, Ethan, says, I thought all this time that, you know, the colonists or the, the pilgrims or whatever were the good guys. It's not that simple, Ethan, Fred replied. This is a very important thing I want you to remember through all of these lessons. So they're telling you here this is this is the central idea. The twins had never heard him so serious. When you view history through the lens of good guys and bad guys, you're missing the point. In England, George Washington is the bad guy and King George is the good guy. So it depends on where you're standing, Emily asked. Think of it this way, Fred said. It doesn't help us learn much from history to say to simply say that this person was bad and that one was good. These religious settlers did some things we might want to copy. Many of them were courageous. They were willing to sacrifice for what they believed. But some of them also did things we might not want to copy, like making a rigid religious government that didn't always value freedom of speech. Rather than call them the good guys or the bad guys, what could we do when we learn about the things they did? Ethan thought for a moment. We could see if we agree with them. We could judge their actions by the golden rule. So um, that's you know, gives you some idea of how they approach this. Um, they're not going to uh, go out of their way to cover up for uh, crappy things that happen in American history because, you know, the, because of some sort of Western chauvinism idea that uh, the West is, you know, perfect and even when we do things wrong, it's okay. Um, <laughs> they, um, they're, they're, they're willing to look at it not through this sort of conservative patriotic lens, but through a true libertarian lens. You know, are these people following the golden rule? Are they applying the non-aggression principle? Or are they starting violence against other people and dehumanizing them? Much better approach than the progressive or conservative approaches. Um, oh, and there's a few other things too. So, um, and I'm su almost surprised they did this. They have a section, because it, it actually begins by talking about 
um, the um, the Silk Road and free trade and how that sort of um, you know centuries before America's founding. Um, and how that sort of paved the way for some of these ideas that become central to, um, you know, American liberty ideology. But in the, on page uh, 15 here, they have a, a thing sort of talking about why protectionism, protectionism is bad. This, um, this idea that we're going to block trade and, uh, you know, just uh, only uh, let, uh, only buy American or whatever, right? And they've got a picture there of Trump. And they're, they're critical of Trump and this whole protectionist philosophy. So they're, they're willing to, to, to do that. Um, even though some of the marketing might suggest they might not. Um, and uh, even even this, check this out, page 35, there's this uh, timeline. I don't know if you can see this, but um, is it backwards? Hold on there. Uh, 1619, right over here. First African slaves were sold in Jamestown. Now, if you know a lot about these sort of political discussions in schools, the 1619 project uh, is trying to argue that 1619 is more of a significant date for what who America is and its founding, actually they, they did argue early on that we should think of 1619 as the founding of America, because that was the date that slaves were first brought into America, right? Um, and uh, they're willing to acknowledge that date. They they, they they on this timeline where it's not even completely necessary, but they make a point to include it um, because they're willing to acknowledge um, that that's part of America's story as well. Um, and so those those two points. Um, uh, stood out to me. Um, so, uh, and also, um, the lesson of the last chapter is that we can't deny the evils in American history, but we can build a society on the core philosophy of liberty for all. And I think, uh, as I recall, that last chapter it's, uh, takes place during a Fourth of July parade, and everybody's excited and waving their flags, yada yada. And then you have some, uh, you know, protesters that are supposed to sort of evoke Antifa, who are talking about sort of how terrible America is. And uh, the one of the twins, Emily, uh, really struggles with, um, you know, how she can have a good feeling about America when all that stuff has happened, um, and how she even sort of kind of buys into this for a moment, sort of like this collective guilt thing. You know, I'm white, um, and you know, my ancestors did this to these um, the ancestors of these people who I know who are Asian or African American or, or, or Native American, um, and you know, shouldn't I feel guilty about that? Shouldn't I feel responsible about that? And so the uh, conclusion is not, well, forget all that nonsense, um, but that we, despite the fact that we have these evils in American history and we can't deny them, we can build a society on this core philosophy of liberty for all that is integral to what America was philosophically, even if it didn't doesn't always lived up to it. Um, so that, um, I think is ultimately, if, if you're going to have a history book that discusses values um, and puts that sort of central instead of just facts and figures, um, it would be hard to do much, it would be hard to do better than this, I think. Um, I suppose you could, but, but it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty darn good for uh, discussing that period, um, American history. And so well, we've been enjoying it. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens uh, in the later volumes. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, by no means is it trying to sweep, you know, America's history of slavery under the rug or anything like that. Um, but it doesn't necessarily go in for the sort of collective guilt thing either. Ultimately, ultimately, libertarianism is an individualistic philosophy and uh, individuals are held accountable for what they do and not for what ancestors did. Um, 
Um, and it's also universalistic in that if all individuals are equal, then there's no such thing as, you know, uh, you know, these people are bad or these people are good. Um, each individual is equal and has to be judged on their own merits um, and not on because they're white or black or whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my uh, that's my review of the book. Um, I think if you are, um, you know, lean sort of libertarian, um, definitely look into it. Um, and also some of the other Tuttle Twins, the little sort of individual smaller books as well. Um, which are all based on um, some libertarian uh, sort of book, um, usually something, you know, kind of old, <laughs> um, something by Murray Rothbard or, or, or uh, uh, you know, is there one on Listen to Spooner? I know there's one based on um, uh, uh, Frederick Bastiat, the, uh, um, the, the French, uh, uh, you know, libertarian philosopher. Um, so anyway, uh, that's it. And uh, once again, I do recommend it. We like it. And if everything I said piques your interest, definitely check it out.